What's up, guys? It's Jordan from the Fitness, Food, and Freedom Podcast. Welcome to Monday's episode, episode 133 of the Triple F Podcast. In today's show, I interview Angela Lee, who's the CEO of Shouldit, which is a great product, and she has a very interesting story. I talked a lot about her story, kind of what her experiences have been as a person navigating the startup world, the business world, and the challenges she's faced, the different changes she's had to make. It was a really interesting conversation. I loved being able to talk to her. There are a little bit of technical difficulties at the end of this episode, uh, some uh, phone cutting out kind of things, but stick through to the end. There's some really good information in here for you if you're interested in business or if you're interested in just life improvement. She gives a lot of good advice. Let's get down to the show, my interview with Angela Lee. Welcome to the Fitness, Food, and Freedom Podcast. Keep listening for some awesome advice on health, motivation, and becoming a better version of yourself. Be sure to tune in every week for Motivation Monday, Workout Wednesday, and Foodie Friday. Behind the mic today, your host, a strength and conditioning coach, husband, and businessman, Jordan Stoltz. Yeah, so I guess... I'll just get right down to it. I kind of told you a little bit about the show and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, basically it's fitness and nutrition is a big cornerstone of the podcast. And then uh, on Mondays and just lately doing all these interviews, kind of talking more about business lifestyle kind of things. That's kind of why I wanted to have you on. Sure. Um, Okay. Yeah. To kind of talk about, you know, the whole startup world, the hustle that you have to keep up with and, just your background and how you started everything that you're into right now. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, thanks. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So go ahead and just start a little bit of your background, where you grew up, what you're into, that kind of thing. Sure. Well, I grew up on a ranch in Western Nebraska and I went to a one room country school. And so I, I like to admit that I was the top of my class and that's because I was the only one in my class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Until I uh, I went on to high school and then uh, went to high school in Alliance, Nebraska, and then graduated from there and then attended the University of Nebraska and got my degree in marketing, advertising, journalism. And then uh, from there, I started a business publication and I did that for about six years. It was a direct mail publication in Omaha, Nebraska. And um <clears throat> taught me a lot. It taught me how to network and build relationships and, and things like that. And, and then in the process, I traveled a lot. I love to travel. And then I also networked all the time. And so during that process, I, you know, don't want to carry a purse. I wanted something that was convenient that, you know, kind of made suit and looked like part of my outfit. But we, women know that most of a, a female's wardrobe doesn't have a lot of pockets, although that is becoming more of a shift now. Um, and then I was actually down at a Nebraska game and did not want to carry a purse. And so I put my phone in my back pocket and my ID and I must've sat in a chair or something. But at some moment I realized my phone was missing and I just, finally that I was just kind of fed up. I thought there's gotta be something else out there. And so I started researching the market just to kind of see, you know, what was like a purse, but wasn't a purse. And a lot of it was hidden things like for travel that you could put inside or underneath your garments. And of course, I didn't want to reach into my pants to 
<laughs> you yeah, know, right. hand out a business card or, you know, the inside of my pants or under my shirt to grab my phone, obviously. And I'm like, it's just, what can it be? And, and I was wearing a scarf at the time and I thought, no, this looks, um, you know, just very discreet. And I was like, what if you put a pocket in a scarf? And then the idea just kind of hit me. And so the next day I went out to the local Mag Mangelsons in Omaha and bought a little $20 sewing machine. And I made my first prototype. And I thought, man, I can't be the only woman in the world that would find something this fantastic uh, useful. And so from there, I started to uh, refine my design and worked with a seamstress in town that was a friend of mine. And she helped me kind of get the design um, you know, just perfect. And, and as I messed with it more, I realized you put in a reversible zipper, it could fold into a clutch, and then you could attach a wristlet and on and on. And, and so we uh, had the design down and I decided to file, file patents and just really start moving the company forward. And so the idea was in 2010. And then I really worked for about a year and a half. And then we just kind of hit the ground running with trade shows and um, so my true year in business was kind of the end of 2012 when we really hit the market. I had a website, um, just kind of all those startup things that you learn to, to move forward. And right. since then, we've expanded. Uh, we've added some new line extensions. We have a convertible neck gaiter, kind of for the outdoor market. Um, you can put, you know, a phone, uh, definitely great for earbuds or keys or ID or cash, you know, smaller items. And then also cinches up into a beanie hat, which is really convenient. And then we've also added a wide cut version, which definitely can use a lot of different ways as a wider cut scarf. And then we also can package it as a nursing cover up for new moms as well as we've added an RFID blocking cell phone wallet. And uh, yeah, so we just really tried to design some smart line extensions that kind of fall within the brand of function, fashion, and freedom, and uh, offering built-in pockets. Yeah, so, it, so when you determine that need, right? Like you're at the game, you lost your phone mm -hmm. uh, out of your pocket. Were you kind of wanting to start a business at that point? Or is that something that you just, suddenly like you, you had a problem and then all of a sudden, you know, that happened and that was kind of the breaking point there where you're like, I have to do something about this or you're kind of on the lookout for a need so you could start your own business. I'm just kind of curious if you were already like decided that you wanted to start a business, you just weren't quite sure yet or if that need just kind of came to you. Sure. Well, ever since I was a little girl, I was very creative. I was always designing or sketching. My mom even has you know, old fashioned books. I used to try to design wardrobes and, and things like that. And just growing up on the ranch, um, you know, some people, you know, from the city don't always understand that there's a lot of business sense that goes into operating uh, agricultural, whether farms or ranches, things like that. And so you fight for yourself every day and you get up and, you know, you work for yourself, you, you take pride in, you know, the animals depend on you and, and everything within that business depends on you. And so I feel like I learned I had a lot of that drive from growing up rural mm -hmm. and um, just always had that, you know, always had that eye, eye for opportunity. And of course I, again, I graduated and the first thing I did was I, you know, started a business publication and yeah. then, uh, you know, I saw this as an opportunity and I had seen ideas that I would have that, you know, five years, even as a little girl, I would be dream car, you know, daydreaming while we were riding in the car and I'd see opportunities. Um, and, you know, five years later, those 
things were out there. And I, I just thought, gosh, if I let this go, um, I would just be sick if I saw it out there because it was such a fun idea. It was useful. I love that it added value. I love that it involved fashion. And um, like I said, I think that entrepreneurial spirit has always has always lived there and it just kind of opened it up. And, and yeah, I definitely saw opportunity and, and went for it. Yeah. Well, the impressive part is the action taking to me, like you saw that, you know, opportunity and the need and then you just went for it. Right. Cause you knew the people that could help you out and you knew, kind of knew the steps to take. I definitely connect to with that rural background. I'm from a farm in North Dakota as well. Oh, yeah, so great. farm kid. So I get that. <laughs> yep. You can definitely relate. <laughs> yeah. So do you think, do you think people in general are, do you think they're born entrepreneurs or do you think that they can become an entrepreneur, you know, based on learning? Cause, cause right now, you know, it's kind of like the hot thing to do is to own your own business. It's really exploding, right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people want to be entrepreneurs and I mean like UNL even has an entrepreneur center and entrepreneur major. So I, I was just kind of curious like you as one, if you think that people are born that way or if you think that you can become an entrepreneur just by wanting to. You know, I think that if you're passionate about something that you can definitely be an entrepreneur. I think if you go at it for the wrong reasons, then chances are you could and will fail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, to say that everybody I believe has a gift and that there's potential to exploit that and, and turn it into a career. Absolutely. Um, but just for the wrong reasons, just to start a business to, you know, put CEO behind your name tag. Uh, I don't think those are the right reasons. Right. What, what are some qualities just besides like the interest and the passion that make a good entrepreneur, like maybe some of the behind the scenes things that you have to deal with that people don't really think about? Yeah. You know, I think, you know, I had a lot of jobs. I was on a tractor at nine years old and you know, I did everything from helping my mom clean the house to obviously tractor to chores. You know, when I went to high school, I took odd jobs at legal firms, things like that. When I got to college, I worked in, you know, the restaurant, bar and restaurant industry. And, you know, then I I started the magazine. I worked at Von Mar as well in the shoe department. So I had a lot of jobs. I had a lot of experience. And I feel like those all built and played part in the things that I later drew from when I did start my company. And so that's why I think it is really important to have kind of a work school balance, even at a young age. Um, I think a lot of times now we put so many things on our plates and so many things are heavily weighted on sports that I know there's a lot of people that might say, Oh my God, how can you not have sports in your family? But, and and I agree, we wouldn't have amazing um, athletes and things if people didn't go after that. Um, but two, that there, there needs to be a balance, I think, in, in the work side of it, too. So even if you let your kids go out for sports, it's hard to find time, but finding an opportunity for them to also, you know, have some work experience and, and things like that. And so that does become a little bit complicated just because we put so many things on our plate today. Um, but I just think life is about balance. And I think that all those things that you allow yourself to experience uh, have definitely come in useful for me in particular as, as I've built my company. I draw from everything from, you know, dealing with people, a grumpy customer at a restaurant to 
uh, something's broken on a tractor and you learn how to fix it or make do or improvise, you know, it's not always easy. Like you can run to the store and just pick up a part. I mean, the closest store to us was 35 miles away, you know, mm -hmm. and the biggest store was 60 miles away. So I just think that all those things, I think as a parent too, just thinking about that for your children, um, the more you can open them up to and give them exposure to the better well suited they'll be to be um, entrepreneurs in spirit, rather they manage people later on in a team or a company um, to, to owning their own business. So yeah, yeah. It, I think it's a lifelong journey. Sure. Let's back it up to a little bit to your, just your story of creating your company. And what was your first sale? Like, how did you first get your sales going? What was the action you took there? Like you had your website, you had stuff launched, you said 2012, right? Mm-hmm. So, so when did the sales start happening and how did you first get that exposure, like to get your first sales? Sure. So I had my marketing degree and so I knew the value and the power of what could be achieved if you could just get exposure because I knew that the idea was a great idea. And I had not only gotten the eyebrow test, if you will, from friends and family, but also people who didn't know me. And you know, that was just signing NDAs and taking it to business people that I respected. And, um, you know, people were just encouraged with it and said, go for it. And um, so I guess, um, <laughs> I apologize. I just forgot where we were headed. <laughs> uh, just like, just in your first sales, like where, uh, oh, sure. yeah, kind of where you're going with that. Yeah. So anyway, so after I kind of had the approval of, of people close to me that I, I knew were confident in, <clears throat> Um, the idea and where it could go, I knew that marketing was going to be very important. And so what I did was I looked for opportunities for, for exposure and that started at a local level. So I had a friend that did some marketing locally and he sent out a wire to some of his um, TV and news anchors here in Omaha. And so we kind of started, you know, getting on the KETVs and, and the morning blend and things like that. And then I could kind of see the potential there. We were in, you know, the Omaha World Herald kind of followed our story. And um, so from there, I was very blessed through networking and trade shows. And I had met somebody who introduced me to a boutique PR firm out in LA and really liked him. I know that you've got to be very careful because there's a lot that will just chew your money and there's no ROI attached to that industry. And again, very blessed. This person, uh, within four months, they had us on the Today Show uh, we were named the most ingenious travel must-have by Forbes. Uh, the USA Today picked it up, you know, best amazing product to ward off pickpockets. And so it just kind of started rolling from there. But it was very strategically, you know, that was my goal was if I can be the first to market, if I can build my brand behind it, you know, because I even do. I look at, you know, the story of Slanket. Well, Snuggy had a $10 million budget behind their marketing campaign. Nobody knows Slankit, but everybody knows Snuggy. Well, Slankit was the originators of the design, and Snuggy just put $10 million behind it and, and made the world know who they were. Yeah. So I always kept that story in my pocket, and I just thought, if, if, if nothing else, I just have to be the first to market. My name's got to be in print. And, um, you know, the benefit to our product, because I had a lot of friends ask, well, you know, how did you get your product in there? Well, the value to what my ideas are is we offer a solution. Um, you know, we protect society in, in our stance, you know, because people can carry their valuables. They can be discreet. They can hide, you know, cell phone, wallet, passport, things like that. And so it became a community story that the media was really happy to, to share and include in their travel articles. And, um, 
you know, security type posts and blogs and things like that. And so we were very blessed in that nature of, you know, when you do think about a product, really look at the benefits. If it's just a, a gadget um, that doesn't really do anything, it's more just an adornment, um, you know, it's going to be a little bit harder to get that kind of publicity. But if you can look at the uniqueness or the problem solving behind your service or your product, then you're going to be more open to the media. They're going to be more open to you um, to want to feature your story and tell society about your products. Yeah. I was going to ask you about, about your, I mean, you have a lot of credibility now, right? And you're on all of these shows and media outlets, uh, but it's networking, right? Is that, mm-hmm. is that kind of what? It all came down to net because you met that that firm in Los Angeles from networking, right? So it was just people you knew in this area that connected. Yeah. In fact, I was asked to do a a presentation on you know kind of how I got started and and you know what my strengths were and and you know just really how did I make it happen? What was the magic behind it? And I really reflected because I thought, well, what was it? You know, was it that I'm creative? Was it that I'm outgoing? Was it that I'm, you know, what is it? You know, definitely there's there's areas where I, I can definitely improve. And I actually narrowed it down and networking. So I did my entire presentation on the value of networking and the opportunity from my goodness, I network in the girls' bathroom. I network at, you know, on an airplane. I network, I mean, anywhere I go, the grocery store. I mean, nobody's a stranger and there's always opportunity. And with that said, you just have to put yourself out there. You have to look for opportunity and, and trade shows. I fully believe in there's so many opportunities to, to meet people there. But again, my whole presentation was beyond, um, you know, just going to get into the show, like doing your research and, um, networking with fellow vendors. Uh, that's the biggest thing. So many people sit in their booth and think, well, if there's no traffic, I'm just going to get on my phone. That's the biggest mistake. The first thing I do when it's slow, I get out of my booth and I go try to find the hop in booth um, that look friendly. They look like they've got themselves put together. They've got media or at least their booth looks sharp and they seem outgoing. And honestly, that's one of my biggest contacts into media for Good Morning America came from that was just you know, out talking and, and we built a strong relationship and, and they made a referral and an introduction and, and here we are, you know? And so yeah. I think people just need to kind of break out of that shell of, of thinking small is just to think beyond. And, and definitely, I mean, I, I do, I owe everything, all of my success to the ability to be able to network. Was that, was that always something that you could do well, or is that something kind of hard for you? I think networking is probably something a lot of people struggle with. Like, you know, it could be in owning your own business or just in a career that you have to, you know, if you have career aspirations and networking might be the way to get there. But I think a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah. I, you know, I was really a very shy young girl and I really owe it to my parents. My dad was very outgoing. Again, never met a stranger. And in fact, when we were little, he would, when, you know, I was five, six years old, when guests would come to the house, us kids were obligated to go open the door, welcome the guests, and then we weren't allowed just to go run off and play. We were to sit with them for about, you know, 20, 30 minutes, uh, communicate with them, interact with them, tell them, you know, a little bit about us when they ask questions or maybe ask a, try to ask a question to them. And so again, even though I was so shy and I hated it and I would turn red and I would get mad and I didn't mm-hmm. want to do it. Um, I think I'm so grateful that they, uh, you know, kind of forced me, if you will, to do that. And it really started opening that up. And, and then, 
you know, it made it easier when I did go to school, because uh, obviously I went to a very small country school, and then when I went to high school, you know, that was another, you know, it's intimidating and it's scary. I wasn't involved in sports because country schools didn't offer that, and so it was difficult, you know, because a lot of people already knew each other, and they had their groups and their clubs, and I was forced to kind of, to find my stride, and then, you know, kind of the same in college, and then, um, you know, definitely with the magazine. I mean, I remember... I, uh, I partnered with the Lincoln owner, and the first thing she said was, we're going to go to the holiday chamber party, and you got to bring me 10 cards. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, <laughs> you know, I don't know anybody here. I've never worked, you know, in, in the, that high class of a business environment before. And uh, anyways, it was scary. But you know what? I think that it's something that you learn, and you find your areas of confidence, and you just focus on that. And instead of being... Um, you know, and you, you'll learn your stride instead of being just focused on yourself and what you do or just what they do. You learn how to open up conversation and ask, um, you know, part of what I had talked about in my presentation was instead of saying, well, what do you do? You know, that's such a, an abrupt way to start a conversation. Um, they could even be a stay at home mom. There's just there, you know, maybe with their husband or, or something, but a good thing is say what occupies your time because you can learn so much about, um, maybe they have children or, well, my husband, I'm here because of my husband or, um, my other, you know, my spouse or whatever it may be. But anyways, it's just, you'll learn to the kind of questions that you can ask and to be better at networking. Obviously there's a ocean of information online on, you know, ways to be strategic and pleasant and that exit conversation strategy and, and just all those things, they just start to come, you know, I guess with age. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, a lot of it too, I do think is just throwing yourself in uncomfortable situations, you know, like, yeah, like learn how to swim. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm like me too. Like I'm quiet at first. And then once someone gets to know me, I'm more outgoing and everything, but just a lot of it's like putting yourself in uncomfortable situation. When I started coaching at UNL, it was, I mean, kind of freaky, right. To coach a big group of athletes that was, I mean, you know, basically my age or maybe yeah. a little, maybe a little younger than me and to try to take charge of a whole room of them like that. But I mean, that helped me grow more than anything as far as public speaking and then even just confidence, Definitely. just throwing yourself in there. Oh yeah. And I think our biggest fears are false expectations. I think that the biggest fear and the biggest, uh, you know, objection in the room is, is yourself. And you just have to realize that those people are all there to meet people. And, and if they're rude, it's, it's fine. Just move on. That's not the kind of person that you want to build a relationship with or be associated with. And so you just got to say next, you know? Yeah. And knowing like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Like the worst thing is you just stop talking to them, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So now that, now that everything's rolling, it's been four or five years. Like what does a typical day look like for you? I know you're pretty busy. We had you know, crazy time getting connected at first and everything. So, I mean, what's a yeah. typical day for you? What, is there a typical day at all? No. Yeah, okay. That's what I was thinking. My, it's an atypical day. Um, but yeah, really, I mean, what I do now is just kind of, you know, kind of brand ambassador. I kind of keep the vision going. I, um, you know, I coordinate our, our inventory that we bring in. I select our new styles. Um, you know, I, we do heavy trade shows. So pretty much year round every month we're doing, you know, one to two trade shows. Uh, definitely our fall is our busiest season. So really from August through 
you know, mid-December, it's just go, 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 uh, just nonstop. We do wholesale shows, so trying to, you know, get those brick and mortars as well as uh, some direct-to-consumer shows, which are great. I, in fact, just wrapped up one here in Omaha, and then I did one in Chicago, and, and it's just so great to just be right in front of your customer. You know, there's things already that I'm tweaking with the design. I'm making the scarves longer. I'm, um, you know, adding new ideas for fabrics. And so there's just, there's just so much that you can learn every day. And, you know, of course there's always the attorney calls or there's, you know, contracts that you're negotiating, um, you know, looking for new accounts, working with new accounts, working with existing accounts. So it's just every day is pretty action packed with a pretty broad mix of, of tasks. Yeah. How do you stay on top of the, how do you stay on top of the things that are, uh, just come up because you know if you have kind of an atypical day that's got to be kind of tricky to uh stay on top of things all the time when they are coming up it is it is and you know i i'm not always the best at it but i just it's just try to prioritize and you look at the things that okay when things really hit the fan and just everything your day just totally seems explode you just look at okay what do i need to focus on today um, you know, cause sometimes we get caught up in cleaning up the little things just to get them off our plate. But sometimes when your day is super full, you just have to take what, what's handed to you and, and focus on that. And then the next day, you know, keep working away on the task list. So things definitely from one day get pushed to the next and, and so on. But prioritizing is, is probably the biggest thing that I'm, I'm still working on and, and trying to master. Yeah. So, I mean, in this whole growth process of your business, do you ever, have a like moment of doubt where you maybe thought this isn't going to work or this isn't going to take off. Oh yes. <laughs> so how do you deal with that? Cause I think a, I kind of believe like a lot of people like give up too soon, you know, like maybe they have a good idea, but they're just not willing to stick through it or have that patience that it takes. So yeah. how did- I think, you know, and a, and a great example of this is, is Shark Tank, for example, when, if you watch that show enough, you really start to, see where the investors invest when the entrepreneur has nowhere else to go but up. You know, they don't have that cushy other job that this is a side project. Like if they don't make this work, uh, they lose everything. You know, the wolves are knocking at the door. So I think that that has been how I stuck it through. I definitely would... (laughs) Um, be a liar if I said I, I never had doubts or never had that bottom of the roller coaster that I'm biting my fingernails thinking, oh God, you know, can I keep this together? So mm-hmm. that definitely happened. And, you know, fortunately stuck to it. I got rid of the doubt and just focused again, like my priorities, like what, what needs to happen to correct uh, any negative situation and just take it day by day, small bites, just keep pushing, keep pushing. And I have a lot of faith in, in God. And I, I truly believe that that helped and, and has gotten me where, you know, where I am and just staying persistent, believing in myself, having faith, um, all of that combined. I'm, I'm still here today. Yeah. What is, are are other habits that help you with that? Like habits that actually just help you keep going? Like maybe it's a schedule or maybe it's something like a morning routine or something that just kind of keeps you in a routine. Yeah, I, I'm not really a person of routine. I get, I can get bored very easily. And so I really definitely have to mix things up. Um, One thing that I definitely without a doubt, 
also contribute sanity and success to is is working out. I fully believe that you got to put your own oxygen mask on first. And I feel like days when I moments when I started to get depressed or irritable or things like that, I noticed it was days that I didn't work out. And so when I did work out and make it especially a morning routine, you just you already feel like you've accomplished your day. I mean, get up, make your bed, brush your teeth, work out. And I mean, man, you know, at five, six, seven, by eight o'clock in the morning, if you've accomplished, you know, a good workout, I mean, you just feel like you can kill the day, you know? And so I definitely, without a doubt, think working out is, is an A priority. Yeah. Well, mate, let's talk about that a little bit since it is kind of a fitness podcast. What do you do? What's, uh, what's your go-to? You know, I, I'm random. Again, I can't say today's arms. I, I can't create a schedule. Um, I just, you know, I like to get up, see how I feel. And I love everything. I mean, I do everything. I do everything from I'll get up and, you know, I'll go ride my bike or I'll pop in a, um, you know, pop sugar video on YouTube and do one of those, or I'll go to the gym or I'll just go run through the park. Um, just even just taking a break for just even a walk. Um, you know, or, or sometimes I know I can't get out for whatever reason and, and I'll just set my alarm and every 45 minutes I get up and I do, you know, a minute of jumping jacks, maybe some burpees. And uh, I mean, just those little breakups in your day, I think just, they just re-energize you, refocus you and they, that, your endorphins release as we all know. And you just, you feel better about yourself. You feel accomplished. And um, like I said, I, I just, I'm not a routine person. And so I just like every day to be like, I'm going to go do this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I talk about on the podcast is just like what's, what's sustainable works best, right? Like as long as it, as long as it works for you and it's something that you're going to stick to, the best plan is always something that you'll not give up on, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So you just kind of kind of listen to your body, listen to yourself and what will work for you. Yeah. And your schedule and your day. And yeah, like you said, your body, it just, it, to me, it can't be planned. It, it's just got to happen. Yeah. I mean, okay. So your background's in marketing, your background is kind of on that creative side as well. Those are probably be your strengths, right? What are, what are maybe some weaknesses that you have like in your business? And then how did you address that in your business? Did you focus on your strengths or did you try to fix your weaknesses? That's something I'm kind of interested in. It's just, yeah. Balance that. You know, I used to believe I didn't want to be bad at anything and it bothered me if I I didn't. And so in that situation, you spread yourself very thin, trying to be good at all things. And I actually um, had signed up. There's a, there's a group called EO and it's entrepreneur organization. And I was in their accelerator program um, that kind of helps you achieve and get, get to a certain level in your business. And when I was in that, it's kind of that retooling and, and really it's about, um, focusing on your strengths and hire for your weaknesses. And it really gave me a shift that I don't have to be great at everything. I, I shouldn't be great at everything because then you spread yourself thin. And so I really shifted at that moment and, and just tried to really find that I could afford the best people that could do the things that I knew I wasn't good at or that I didn't enjoy. And then that allows you, instead of, you know, instead of working uh, in your business, you want to be working on your business with your greatest strengths. And, and I'm more of an, a visionary than I am an integrator. I'm terrible at the small little detail of, um, you know, I can think of big picture systems and processes, but when it comes down to the little detail and the minute things, and sometimes even the execution, 
of the smaller things can be really hard for me where big picture and how we should execute big picture, it just comes naturally and I'm, I feel like I'm really good at it. And so my team is kind of built up of those people that can handle those smaller details um, that I'm not good at and then allows me to focus on, on the bigger things that I am good at and that I actually do enjoy. Mm-hmm. How, how big is your team? We're really small. Uh, it's actually myself and then I have a controller that works with me. She handles a lot of my bookkeeping, um, a lot of the little details that I'm not good at with um, Excel sheets and all that detail kind of stuff, uh, contract or not contracts, but um, you know, filling out uh, forms, setup form, vendor setup forms, things like that. And then I have a warehouse guy that handles, um, you know, shipping and customer service. So anytime the phone rings or a customer service email comes in, he handles all that for the most part. And then uh, we have a marketing uh, executive hired and, and she's magnificent. Maggie, actually, Maggie Thorne. She does a oh. great job for us. And uh, yeah, just uh, we're very lean and mean. Well, hey, I mean, talking to you kind of makes me think of this overnight success story thing. I've talked about this with a few other guests as well, but you, you know, people see people on shark tank or they see people succeeding with a product and they, you know, have that, it must be nice kind of mentality or, you know, they're, they're pretty lucky to have that take off for them and everything. But I, there's always that long story behind the overnight success, quote unquote. Right. Absolutely. So what, what are maybe some struggles that you, went through in your business, some things, not even the struggles, but maybe just the things that you've had to do that people don't really realize. Like if you say that, you know, you have this product, you're a business owner and people just don't think of these kind of things that went behind the scenes. Sure. Um, I mean, when you were talking about like the trade shows and stuff, that's what kind of made me think of it. So maybe you already answered it a little bit, but yeah, I think though that what people don't think about is the risk that people take to get there. To do it, they have to sacrifice, whether they, they, either they quit their job or maybe they're doing their job plus trying to do that. Either way, there's a sacrifice because you only have so much time in the day. So first of all, time is a sacrifice. The second is money is a sacrifice um, because obviously if you quit your job, you don't have income, like you, you have a limited supply of it. You have to make every penny counts and moving forward you have to start generating otherwise you run out of runway so people don't think about how scary that is and if you do have a job you have to consider that you're working all day and then your other idea becomes your night and your weekend project so not only have you sacrificed your family but also your job now is paying for this second job Um, you know, and so there's just, there's just so many of those sacrifices from a financial level to a personal level to even, um, your own health sacrifices. Um, just again, you don't have time at that point to work out or to just take a break. You're just, you you grow into being an irritable, um, person that just, um, you know, is difficult to be around. And so I just think all those things are oftentimes overlooked. That's just as people say, oh, well, they're just lucky. I've had a lot of people say, oh, you're just, you know, how good for you, you know? And it's not like, man, you know, and occasionally I'll get those people to come up and I really respect it when they're like, I just appreciate you, what you have done. Like, I can't even imagine starting this, Um, you know, and you can see that where some are just like, oh yeah, you know, good for you. 
almost in a jealous standpoint and, and the ones that appreciate it, you can really tell. And, and that means a lot. Let me, uh, just kind of asked you some general questions. I don't know, this might be kind of tricky because they're pretty general. Um, But if you could just give like little pieces of advice, maybe to entrepreneurs, what would you say? If you had a, like a group of entrepreneurs you're going to talk to, what would be the advice you'd give to them? Yeah, I feel like make sure that you're passionate about what you're wanting to go after. Like I said, I think that if if you just kind of are thinking about money only, that's not the best drive. Um, For me, it was, is providing something that offered a solution. Um, There's, you know, security backed and it's an accessory and and it's fun. I I love what I do every single day. So just definitely make sure when you wake up in the morning on your worst day imaginable, just think about, are you still willing to fight for for your idea and, and what you're wanting to achieve? Mm-hmm. That would be a strong one. It's just always the bottom line's passion, I believe. What about the people? What advice would you give the people that don't even have an idea yet? Like maybe they're they want to own a business, they're dreamers, they want to be entrepreneurs someday, but they don't necessarily have any kind of idea of what to do. What would yeah. you give those people? I think again, kind of back to exposure is great. I feel like even if even if you don't know what it is today, just look for opportunities that can be, I mean, brushing your teeth. I mean, somebody thought of a little toothpaste push up thing that you put on your, your toothpaste. I mean, you know, there's just opportunities everywhere. And, you know, I keep a notebook by my bed. And when I have ideas, I wake up at two o'clock in the morning and start writing them down. And, and the reality is, is you're probably going to have a hundred terrible ideas that are like, you think they're great at first. And then you think about them more, you start researching. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm not that passionate about it. But if you keep thinking and dreaming, you're going to have that one that you are like, Oh my God, this, this is it. And that's kind of, this is terrible. Um, and then you hit that one and, and then it goes from there. You're never going to stop having ideas. And that's, that's great. There's ways you can enhance your thing or maybe different but I think if you're a dreamer continue to be a dreamer and and keep the notebook and and do your due diligence and and if it looks like there's opportunity and you're passionate about it then I think you have a winner yeah for sure what about advice for women like there's a lot of women that listen to this show probably like 60 70 percent of listeners are women what's advice just for like a woman who's in business and is kind of navigating that world um, Mary rich. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, yeah, I think that the world is a new world and that there's women are on an, uh, you know, a lot of people think you're on an unequal playing field, but I to a certain degree disagree with that. I think that again, you and your thoughts stand in your way and you can achieve anything that you want. I mean, there's obstacles in life for everything and for everyone. And, Oftentimes, I wish people didn't focus obstacle course as a, a negative. I mean, even look at the fitness world. I mean, you just, it's a fun way to be creative. Like, I can't go this way, but I can go that way. I have a weakness with this, leverage yourself that way. And so it's just, life is an obstacle course. And, and you can't look at it as, um, you know, life's dealing with bad cards. You just make, make it as we can and, and do the best that you can and use all your strengths to win. For sure. Yeah. 
Well, where can people find you, Angela? I really enjoyed talking to you. Where can people check you out? Check out Shoulder. Yeah, the best place to go is sholdit.com, which is S-H-O-L-D-I-T.com. And definitely uh, chat with us socially. Love connecting with people. If anybody has product, a picture, and we love to, to see how people are using it, how it, it changes their lives. And we just love getting stories. I'll for sure link that in the description of the show so people can go check that out. Awesome. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you for... Uh, dealing with some of the scheduling stuff that we had going on here, but I definitely appreciate the time. Yes. Thank you so much, Jordan. I really appreciate it. And uh, stay in touch. If I can ever help, uh, I'd be happy to. Hey, and same here. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed that episode with Angela Lee. Be sure to check her out at shoulder.com. I'll link that in the full description of the show. Thank you for joining me and I'll see you guys on Wednesday for workout Wednesday. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Triple F Podcast. Please leave a five-star iTunes review and share the podcast with your friends and family. Tune in next time for more great tips on fitness, food, and freedom.